Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. It's a trade official, Allie. Um, you know, it's, it's it's always tough. You know, you, you you get close with these guys, and JC and Larry were uh, a, a huge part of what we've we've been doing here in the short time that we've been here, and they've they've really, um, you know, recently, well, the whole time we've been here, uh, you know been bought into to what we're trying to do and elevated their games and they've been great teammates um, taking different roles uh, and uh, we're gonna miss them but they're they're going to a good situation you know they'll get a experienced playoff basketball and uh, I'm happy for them for that um, but we'll miss them and we're very thankful for for what they've they've given us Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where I think we're prepared to talk about what we all had for lunch today, right? Unless anybody else has something they want to talk about besides that. I had a pretty good lunch. Do you want to know what I ate? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, omelet with spinach and ham and avocado. It's delicious. Nice. Boom, 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 boom. Tommy, what about you? Bow, bow. Um, I had a salad. What kind? Um, it was a modern Caesar salad from Mendocino Farms. Sounds super basic. Side, dressing on the side because Mm. I am conscious of my weight. You would be conscious of your weight, good-looking man. Do you guys want to know what I had for lunch? No. Yeah, go ahead. I don't really. I don't care. (laughs) Well. 
I, I, I threw up my lunch. You want to know why? Because the Lakers just freaking traded away Jordan Clarkson. What? You eat a, you eat a really what? early lunch, dude. That was at 9 a.m. <laughs> Maybe I threw you up my lunch. must have been hungry. Hungry for some trades. He eats lunch on East Coast time. Ah, oh, damn it, guys. I screwed up that bit. We should have been talking about breakfast. But you know what? Uh, I had a protein bar. We are here. The Lakers Legacy Podcast. And, you know, my mind is still in shambles from this entire day. Uh, Tommy and I were just discussing before we got on this podcast that it was so hard to work today. Um, my mind was just on this entire trade. And I felt mentally very busy because all I could think about was, oh, what's going on on Twitter? Are we going to make another move? How's Jordan Clarkson feeling? How's Larry Nance feeling? How's Isaiah Thomas feeling? I don't know what's going on with the Cavs because they just flipped their entire team over. And so if I could read a quote from Tommy Alexander last night on our Facebook thread around 10.06 p.m., Tommy wrote, Oh, God, I... <laughs> you really had to scroll a lot to find it. <laughs> like, what... I did. What happened? So here we go. 10.06 p.m. last night, Wednesday, February 7th. Tommy Alexander, or Tomas, on our message board. Quote, deadline boring AF, unquote. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tommy, because... At that oh point, my it was. God. Dude, you know what's <laughs> oh so funny? Actually, when I wrote that, I was thinking in my head, I bet if I say something, it'll jinx it, and then it'll get crazy at the actual deadline. Do you ever feel like that? Like, if if, if sure. I say the opposite thing, then it'll... You know, you know what I'm saying? Or my career? Yeah, Maybe you spoke I just, it into existence, I boy. I spoke it into existence, that's right. <laughs> or you spoke it into, like reverse psychology existence yeah i like made all the <laughs> nba front offices feel insecure through that comment and then they're like well we got to do something now otherwise this random guy is going to mock us in this thread that none of us have access <laughs> otherwise to. it otherwise it is boring af yeah exactly um so the oh, the first trade that came out today was very boring and you know everybody was being ironic about it the willie hernan gomez for two second rounders and johnny o'brien and we thought I legitimately thought as the morning, you know, progressed, yeah, this is going to be a boring deadline. And then around, what, 9.30 a.m. or so, the world flipped on its head. <laughs> the Cavs started making, the, the Cavs was, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this in a bit, but I want to focus on the Lakers. But I guess, yeah, Alan, how did you feel when the news broke? Where were you? If anybody, if we have to actually spell out the trade, the Lakers obviously traded Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., to the Cleveland Cavaliers for the Cleveland's first round pick this year, only top three protected. I think right now it's in the number 22 to number 24 range. Uh, we also got back Channing Fry's expiring for around $7 million, And we also got back Isaiah Thomas, who is expiring, has an expiring deal of $7 million as well. But somehow we got a first round pick, we got expirings back, and we got a flyer on someone who was a potential MVP candidate last year somehow. And I mean, there was an unexpected sacrifice on our end where I don't think any of us thought we'd have to give up Larry Nance. But all in all, this is one of the biggest Lakers deadline trades that I've ever witnessed since probably the Pau Gasol deal. Um, so Alan, yeah, what were you feeling? Uh, I went, <gasps> like literally, that's exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> and then I started to laugh. For some reason, I don't know why I thought it was funny, but um, that was my first reaction. Like it, it 
in a very odd way reminded me of when we traded Derek Fisher to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe we just did that. Um, but obviously this is almost nothing like that at all. But for whatever reason, I had the exact same reaction. And um and then it was definitely like, oh man, that's sad, you know, like especially for Larry Nance, because we didn't expect it. Clarkson, we built ourselves um, toward thinking, yeah, he's probably gone. And we went through all the scenarios, right. Of like, if he stays, if he leaves, whatever. But, um, yeah, so it was shock. And then it was like hysteria for whatever reason. And then it was, uh, empathy on behalf of our guys. And then when I found out what we were getting in return, I mean, it's pretty clear cut, obvious what we're doing. And this is like as good a job as they could have possibly done, so at the end of the day, you have the emotional side, and then you have the business side and the tactical side and all that. All in all, uh, feeling pretty pretty good about it. And then you got the litness. Tommy, how are you feeling, and what was going down at your workplace when you when the news broke? Uh, feeling great. Um, I was very confused. <laughs> I tend to like, this is like more information than anybody needs, but I tend to like leave. Mm, I want all the info. <laughs> I, I leave my house like pretty late. Like I, I don't have to, I get to my, I leave my house at like nine. So the trade broke like pretty much right when I was walking out the door. Um, and then I was just like in this weird state of like dazed and confused for my entire <laughs> drive to the office. And I was like, the traffic could not end fast enough. The only like satisfaction I could get was listening to sports radio because they, uh, AM 710 was talking about it like pretty much right after the trade happened. It was not really good takes um, that I was particularly interested in hearing, but it was the best I, I could do. I was listening do. to that too. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like waiting to get to my office so I could immediately not do work and um, log into Twitter and see what the heck was happening. Um but yeah, it was. It's funny because I think none of us can say we we weren't excited by it, um, and none of us will say that because I mean we were talking about for this last several weeks on on this show, like, oh, what do we? But what about like a second round, a second round pick in Marco Bellinelli for Clarkson? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I would do that. That's pretty yeah, good. That's pretty good. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's so funny. I mean, like like you said, Jonathan, we had to give up Nance, who obviously like we all love Nance, and he's been great and. Um, he anchors our defense on our second team and it's not like insignificant to lose Nance as well. But um, we ended up getting, I think more out of this trade than any of us could have ever imagined. Like I think if a week ago when we were doing, or yeah, <laughs> like a week ago when we were doing trade proposals, if I said, would you guys do yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan Clarkson and Nance for like the Cavs first, uh, Channing Fry <laughs> and like Isaiah Thomas, you guys would all be like, oh God, there's no way the Cavs would do that. You know? What so, an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty amazing that it all worked out. Yeah, thank you for your detailed dissection of your morning, for your detailed dissection of your Caesar salad lunch. That was great. Um, yeah, same for me. I got into work and I was just super frazzled and I couldn't wait to get to my lunch break. I had to take a walk outside. I was like, hey guys, I'm going out for lunch. Um, I, I work in Glendale, so there's a, there's a, on brand, there's just a whole bunch of restaurants and then sometimes I go to 85, 85 degrees to get my sea salt iced coffee and it's, it takes about like 15 minutes to walk there. And I mean, I, I couldn't wait to, to take that 15 minute stroll, just glued to my phone, you know, talking conjectures with you guys on our thread, but also just looking at the updates from Twitter. Just walk carefully. That's kind of dangerous. It is very dangerous, actually. <laughs> but I mean, what can you do on a day like today when just risk it all? 
I, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever seen a trade deadline like this where it was pretty much orchestrated by one team in particular, namely the Cleveland Cavaliers. And for us to be part of, you know, for us to be such a big part of that was in- incredible. Like I said, I don't think anything like this has happened since the Pau Gasol trade. I mean, in terms of the magnitude and the implications that this trade could have for our near future, for our long-term future. Obviously, there is two components to this trade, the emotional aspect where I don't think I've ever felt this kind of sad as well, in recent memory especially, because this is literally trust the process part one of the Lakers this is the end of it. You know, Julius Randle is the, the lone standing trust the process part one from when we started this rebuild phase because it was Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, Larry Nance, D'Angelo Russell, and three out of those four players are now gone. And like Tommy said, you know, Larry Nance Jr., what a, what a consummate professional, uh, locker room leader, vocal leader. He was Zubats' best friend. We and haven't talked dad. about... Yeah, and his dad. We haven't talked about how Zubats must be feeling oh, right man. now. And Josh I thought about it so much. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle Kuzma. I mean, Larry Nance was pretty much like a an older, bigger brother to all of these guys. And he was a outspoken leader in the Crohn's disease community for younger kids. So, yeah, on the emotional level and aspect, it was, it was tough to kind of grasp. Um, what helps me be okay with the trade, I guess, is knowing that Larry Nance is from... Cleveland, Ohio, his his dad, Larry Nance, senior, played for the Cavs, and he's going to be able to play with one of his idols, LeBron James. So yep. that kind of helps uh, me mentally be okay with the deal. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, it's going to be tougher for him. I, I just listened to him on the radio before we came on, actually talking to the Kamenetsky, brother, Kamenetsky brothers, and they asked him, like, what are your thoughts on the prospects of playing for a playoff team for the first time and being able to play alongside LeBron James? And he literally said, well, you know, to be honest with you, that sounds pretty lit right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. He says, to be honest with you, that sounds pretty lit right now, but I just got to focus on my game. Something along those lines. But I just thought it was funny that he literally said, to be honest with you, that sounds pretty lit. Um, So on that end of things, good for Jordan Clarkson. I think it's going to be a struggle for him in terms of on off the court basketball life just because LA was his entire scene and yeah I don't know what the hell he's gonna do in Cleveland um but with that said yeah where should we pivot to now guys the Lakers get figure skating no (laughs) the Lakers get Isaiah Thomas Channing Frye and a first round pick which is now going to become I don't know. It's like right now we thought initially, okay, maybe this is lotto protected in terms of top 16 protected, right? And then we found out, okay, it's only top three protected. Which is just silly. And that's, I feel like that's just silly. I don't know what the Cavs were doing with that and how we ended up getting that kind of protection. I mean, look, they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like barring some catastrophe, but you theoretically should be protecting yourself against that catastrophe. You know, I, I can't imagine... I mean, maybe this is just what the market called for, but I can't imagine, like, I they, they should have been able to get away with, like, at least a top 10 protected. Top 3 protected is, like, so absurd to me that they that they uh, let us get away with that, but whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. The catastrophe comes if LeBron James goes down, and that's a lottery team. So, 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible, the, the haul that the Lakers got. Obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers made trades all over the place. A different kind of Kobe was shooting his shot this trade deadline. And I'm talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers GM, Kobe Altman, because he maybe made five straight trades in a row. <laughs> it was absurd. <laughs> it was insane. So the Cleveland Cavaliers, they not only got Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson, but they traded for Rodney Hood, George Hill, they traded Dwayne Wade out, Jay Crowder's out, Iman Shumpert's out. I don't even know the exact specifics of who's still a Cleveland Cavalier and who's not. All I know is, from the Cleveland Cavaliers' perspective, they tried to do this thing where they're trying to straddle two lines of being able to somewhat compete now because, look, on paper, they improved on paper based off of the personnel that they got because they're only getting rid of Iman Shumpert, Channing Fry, Jay Crowder, guys who are kind of middling and the chemistry was off whack for the Cavs anyways. And they're getting Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Rodney Hood, more athletic, younger, better shooting, etc. But they're also building for the future. All of those guys are young guys that they can control. Rodney Hood is a restricted free agent. Uh, Jordan Clarkson's still on for two more years. Larry Nance is still on his rookie deal. George Hill is an expiring. So they clearly did this move, one, to appease LeBron, they got some of his recommendation, but also I think it's more of a future play, especially given that they shipped Dwayne Wade out. Now, to kind of shift the focus back to the Lakers, Tommy, you kind of touched upon it and how excited we were, but can you break down why this trade was just so beneficial for the Lakers, even on top of the fact that we did not expect any of this to happen? I think initially, if you had told me that Isaiah Thomas was not part of the trade and it was Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance for... Channing Fry and Cleveland's first, I would have said, okay, that's a pretty solid deal. But we also got Isaiah Thomas in that deal. So yeah, if you could break down the positive implications for you of this deal for the Lakers. So obviously the big one is we uh, get out of Jordan Clarkson's contract. Um, Jordan Clarkson was owed obviously 12 million next summer and sorry, 12 million next season and 12 million the following season, which those were Theoretically, based on all reports, the two seasons that were like really looking strongly at the free agent pool, um, we got out of that contract. Uh, we got a first round pick in a trade deadline season where nobody was giving up first round picks, let alone 2018 first round picks in what's supposed to be a very sack draft. We obviously have not had a pick this entire season, so we haven't talked about any of the players at all. And frankly, I have no idea who even it would be in our range. Um, but it's supposed to be a really stacked draft and guys that were projected, I think, you know, top five, six last year, I've, I've seen in the very end of the lottery this year. So I think there's a very, really good amount of talent this year. Um, so that was big. And then we're also, we, we gain flexibility. Shannon Fry is an expiring contract. Isaiah Thomas is an expiring contract. Both of those guys, we can, you know, Shannon, in the case of Shannon Fry, if you want to keep him, maybe you can re-sign him on like a veteran minimum deal. He's, I think, 34 or 35 years old. So if he is going to stick uh, with a team next year, he's probably going to sign on a contender with, uh, for the veteran minimum. Like he's one of those types of, uh, players at this point in his career. So if we end up signing two max guys, that team could very well be us. And now he'll have 30 games to get accustomed to our offense, accustomed to LA. He already was, he was teammates with Luke Walden in college when Luke was a junior. Shannon Fry was a, a freshman, which is hilarious. And, um, he, in this hypothetical scenario, if we end up signing some guys, he would be, 
friends. He, I mean, like, it seems like LeBron likes him and they get along. And obviously Fry has played a big role with, uh, the, the Cavs. Um, if we, uh, and then with Isaiah Thomas, that's the most intriguing one because it's like, this is literally the, the biggest upside, like lowest downside acquisition of a former MVP candidate. I think that I've ever seen, um, this guy is literally a year removed from averaging 30 points a game on efficient shooting numbers and, you know, making four threes a game and, and, uh, being like top five in MVP voting. Um, and yeah, he's been hurt and yeah, he might even just spend the rest of the 30 games he has with us playing himself into shape, but worst case scenario, he's expiring and you let him walk best case scenario. He's only a $9 million cap hold, which, you know, as we mentioned, Jordan Clarkson was due 12 million next year and the following year. So with that $9 million cap hold that buys you a little bit of flexibility to, be like, okay, I can sign somebody else, hold on to his cap hold, you know, sign a bu- maybe sign a couple of other people if you're not signing only max contracts, keep Isaiah to his cap hold, and then when you're done, go over the cap um to sign Isaiah. Um it, it just gives that flexibility and it takes a lot of burden off of our young core to, you know, although we want Brandon Ingram and Lonzo to develop with the ball in their hands in the fourth quarter of closed games, it just takes a little bit of pressure off of them to do it every single night uh, by themselves, especially Lonzo, who at this stage in his career is not a take you off the dribble and create my own shot type of guy. Um, It'll help him immensely to have help back there. And, you know, Isaiah wants to be a Laker has wanted to be a Laker and uh yeah it's flexibility is the is the name of this trade and and i think we uh we pretty much crushed it in in that respect yeah i agree on all fronts alan did you have anything to add with regards to some other positives that you see from this trade hey this is brian from the almighty baller podcast network here to talk about keeps so there's just no two ways to say it losing hair is awful Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Uh, I mean... I think Tommy pretty much covered it all, to be honest. Um, Another interesting fact, kind of from the Cleveland angle, like you said, this helps them now, you know, on paper. Um, And in the future, if LeBron were to leave, it also sets them up so they aren't terrible going forward. I read something interesting that of the players Cleveland acquired today, they have 90-something games of playoff experience, and George Hill 
has 80 something of those playoff games. So oh my God. yeah, that was pretty staggering. Like you, you know it, right? Like, Oh yeah. Jordan Clarkson's never been in the playoffs, et cetera. But until you see that number, you realize, man, these guys haven't played in very many meaningful games at all. And that's not to say like, they're just going to completely blow when it comes to playoff time, but you never know. I mean, in the regular season, things might start to click for them. It's hard to imagine them being worse than what they have been for the last couple weeks. But, um, yeah, once playoffs come around, I, I say it's pretty unpredictable. It's a coin toss as to how much they're going to gel, um, how much continuity they're going to have as a squad. I mean, they only have a handful of games, really, uh, if you think about it, to to adjust to each other. And then the playoffs is a completely different animal. So no matter what, watching Cleveland is going to be extremely enticing. And as well as we want Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson to play, I mean – I personally am rooting against Cleveland so freaking hard right now. Yeah, so LeBron, so LeBron is completely displeased with that entire situation, despite them trying really damn hard to appease him. No, yeah, let's analyze that angle really quickly for the Cleveland Cavaliers, because I know there were some people in my mentions today when the trade went down that said, oh, the Cleveland got better. And I, as I said earlier, yes, on paper, they got better. You can't argue that Jordan Clarkson... They didn't Clarkson, get worse, that's for damn sure. <laughs> for sure. You can't argue that Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, George Hill, and Larry Nance trumps Jay Crowder, Channing Fry, and an Isaiah Thomas who was kind of causing some locker room strife over there by kind of being somewhat of a prima donna. I think they improved on paper. But like you just mentioned, continuity, which is something that they were already struggling to have, and then you just overhauled your entire roster in the middle of the season right before the all-star break and thank god i mean they can think the the recent changes where we now have like a week off for the all-star break right they could probably use that week off for sure (laughs) no they they're not gonna be sleeping that's for sure (laughs) and they'll probably have like a mini training camp here in la if anything but continuity is the key and these guys don't have playoff experience do i believe that lebron james can you know, rev things up, be fully motivated and still lead the Cavs to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever? Sure, I do. But when it comes to actual playoff basketball, even if they somehow are able to round into form by March, man, this is going to be a new experience for Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr. They're going to have to go through the hiccups of what playoff basketball and intensity is like. It may Actually, Larry Nance Jr. may be the most um, unsusceptible to that because he's just a garbage type dude who just gives his effort anyways. But with regards to Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood, are they are their shots going to be working at that point? You know, are they going to be mentally fragile when it comes down to uh, those type of intense games in the playoffs? So for me, I don't necessarily think that this is like a home run for the for the Cavs. It's a home run for them with regards to it gives them some options for the future when LeBron James leaves because they have a young core that they can build around and they did not give up their, you know, lotto pick, pick in the Brooklyn yeah. pick. Exactly. So on that end, good job, Colby Altman. But with regards to retaining LeBron James and building a team around him, the only real guy that you could say helps them immediately and has some sort of veteran presence and, and um, experiences. Like we said, George Hill, Kevin Love is out for the next four to six weeks still. And then they're going to have to reintegrate him when he, when he comes back, you know? So that's just going to shuffle the chemistry all over the place. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a, like you said, a coin, a coin flip, a coin toss as to how cohesive a unit they're going to be and whether they're going to be able to rev things up by playoffs because, they could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and even that's a big if. 
But when they do, they're gonna be they're gonna get trumped by the Boston Celtics, without a doubt. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts on on what Cleveland did and whether or not it increases our chances for LeBron James leaving? And you said it in our message thread. The Dwayne Wade thing was kind of more the the biggest indicator of where the Cavs are are going. Yeah. So on the Dwayne Wade, <laughs> Dwayne on the Dwayne Wade thing, uh, it's funny because the trade that was by far the least impactful for them probably speaks the most, um, in my opinion. And that's because Dwayne Wade came to, he was bought out by the bulls. Um, he came here specifically to play with LeBron. Like this fool clearly I'm sure has no interest in living in Cleveland. You know what I mean? And, um, he, uh, came just for LeBron when they made these other trades or they had these other trades lined up to get Clarkson and to get George Hill, who uh, I'll talk about in a second because I think you had one thing slightly off on on his contract numbers, but uh, to get Clarkson, George Hill, and Rodney Hood, and etc., um, they went and asked Dwayne Wade, "Are you cool with this?" They went and talked to LeBron, "Are you cool with this?" I'm just saying, LeBron wouldn't have been like, "Yeah, whatever," or Dwayne w- Wade wouldn't have said like, "Yeah, I'm cool to leave," if he thought there was like a chance. LeBron was going to stay. I, I feel like at this stage in his career, Dwayne Wade isn't really contributing that much. He's in the twilight years. He's like basically taking his like victory lap and just collecting a paycheck at this point. Um, and so he, you know, has some incentive to like want to be on a team where that has his friend and like he's going to be in the playoffs and who cares if he doesn't play because it's not like he was playing 30 minutes a game anyway. Um, so the fact that he just said like, yeah, that's cool. Trade me and I'll go back to Miami, the team that like betrayed my trust and forced me to sign with Chicago in the first place kind of is very telling to me. It's just sort of like an acceptance of this is the end and my chance to play with LeBron is over. And, you know, if I have to leave next year, I'll chase him or whatever. I'll follow him somewhere else, but he's clearly, he's not going to stay in Cleveland. So there's no reason for me to be here. Um, but yeah, in addition to that, um, kind of agree with you, Jonathan, on what you said about um, I saw so many takes about how Cleveland just crushed the trade deadline and all this and that. And in the short term, like you said, there's no argument. They got better um, for the rest of this season. They didn't trade anybody who was doing anything for them. Jay Crowder has had like his worst season of his entire career since he uh, was traded to the Cavs. Isaiah Thomas barely was coming back and, like you said, was causing locker room issues. Shannon Fry was not a consistent member of the rotation. Um, uh, Dwayne Wade was playing terribly. Like Derek Rose, he was on and off the court and playing, you know, bizarrely. Um, so they replaced him with some guys who can, in the short term, help. Rodney Hood can rain threes. Jordan Clarkson is a nice bench combo guard. George Hill historically plays defense all of this year and hits threes, but this year he hasn't done anything. But we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, that uh, change of scenery will help there. But in the long term, this doesn't, in my opinion, help with keeping LeBron James because it's like George Hill is not, unless I'm reading the numbers wrong, he's not an expiring contract. He's still due $20 million guaranteed next year. And then the following year, he is partially guaranteed to where they can buy him out for like $1.5 million or something. Um, so that is between just George Hill and Jordan Clarkson. You're paying your two point guards like $32 million neither of whom are like fantastic players. Like George Hill has had some good years and has come off as like really solid at times. And 
like I said, change of scenery might help and bring him back to that level here, but he is not, in my opinion, the same player he was defensively at one point in his career. Um, whether he can, can hit shots remains to be seen. He was never like a big time, I'm going to create my own shot or a shot for somebody else type of guy because, you know, LeBron for the last 10 years has been playing with Kyrie Irving and Dwayne Wade. So he kind of needs somebody like that. Um, you've traded your own first round pick and I know you still have the Nets pick, but you trade your own first round pick, which loses some flexibility. Uh, you didn't get any picks back except a heavily protected second rounder. And you're now committed to all the salary. Like I keep mentioning. So because of all of these factors, I'm like, if I'm LeBron, I'm sitting here looking at this roster. The roster is what it is. Like, no one is going to take Tristan Thompson off your hands. Um, no one is going to take, arguably, no one is going to take Kevin Love off your hands. So if you can't get rid of two guys and you have $32 million also committed to um, George Hill and Jordan Clarkson, and you don't have, you know, except for the Nets pick, you don't have any other picks to really work with here, it's like... That is the opposite situation of, of what we have, right? Like maybe we don't have the star player, but we have like six young pieces that are here and are, are ready to, you know, either be traded or they, could, they continue to develop and can be used with a contender. And beyond those pieces, we have like the intense cap flexibility to either sign two maxes. We have a variety of ways through which we can sign those maxes or uh, we could wait a year or we could sign one guy, you know, we have, we have so much flexibility that Cleveland doesn't have. And I just feel like you can't look at the two situations and be like, Cleveland is better than the Lakers situation right now, long-term, because I don't think it is. Yeah. The only thing I would say is they at least set themselves up for when LeBron James leaves. And I, I use set themselves up very loosely where at least they don't have Jay Crowder and all these random middling veteran type players and they can at least rest on. All right, we have Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, and Larry Nance to at least build off of along with that um, lotto pick from from Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, let's shift it back to the Lakers. Um, Alan, you know, initially we had talked about how or I had talked about listening to a couple podcasts, including the Dunked On podcast, who they severely misevaluated Jordan Clarkson's market value. Exactly. Because they were saying, like, if the Lakers want to get rid of Clarkson, they're going to have to attach a second round pick, maybe even a first round pick or, or a sweetener to get rid of Jordan Clarkson because nobody wants him. And for me, that just went against everything that we'd been hearing the entire season with Magic Johnson and Palinka even early on after the D'Angelo Russell trade saying, Look, we feel like we can get off of Jordan Clarkson whenever we want to. We feel like there are buyers out there and we have, yeah, we have different options that we can go to and resort to. And even when it comes to attaching an asset to Jordan Clarkson, I felt like the only way, the only time that we'd actually have to do that would be in a pinch during this summer when we realized, oh shoot, we got to get rid of Clarkson fast. And in order to get rid of him very quickly to sign up two max free agents, we'll probably have to attach an asset. But this early on during the trade deadline, I was just like, I don't think that's correct. And so I feel good to be on the right side of history, kind of proclaiming, you know, Jordan Clarkson will 100% be traded. I think Tommy and I were even on the same same wavelength when we were talking to Eric Pincus, we were just like, if the Lakers are going to follow through with what they say they've been trying to um, administer here with regards to the two max plan, it makes no sense for them to keep Jordan Clarkson. So the fact that they were able to 
not only tick a few boxes off with regards to we got a draft pick, we got an expiring, but they were able to add on more boxes to tick that were beneficial to them, including, oh, and by the way, we got a a cherry on the top with Isaiah Thomas. We can see what we want to do with him later. We can use him to entice a Paul George, or we can just let him go if he's not working out. But at least for the rest of the season, we have a scorer next to Lonzo Ball. So Alan, I ask you, how, how, how would you grade the front office, especially given leading up to it, we had heard that they had shifted to 2019. And we were hearing all these smoke screens and and all of a sudden, they kind of just surprise us. And, and we have, we, now we retroactively look back on those statements about them kind of backtracking and say, you sly devils, you palinka, inka, tinka, bagovna, na, na. So, Alan, how, how would you grade the front office and just the lead up to today where it seemed like they were misdirecting? And maybe they, they actually meant what they said about, yeah, we're, we're looking towards 2019. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Uh, A plus, without a doubt. Uh, not Like you said, none of us saw this coming at all. And again, it could have been leverage. It could have been posturing. But um, again, like you said, if we didn't get Isaiah Thomas in this trade, we would have been um, pretty satisfied knowing that we dumped some salary and even got a first round pick. But the fact that we got Isaiah Thomas and it sounds crazy, but like, let's take a flyer on this guy, but that's essentially what it is. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's a home run for sure. It's, um, extremely impressive. And if you just look at what this front office has been able to do in such a ma- short amount of time, um, I think this adds a ton of credibility to Rob Palinka and, uh, Magic Johnson's resumes just as far as, what their track record is now. Um, I mean, you had obviously getting rid of Mozgov's contract before, and you know we all have our thoughts on that. But at the same time, it's like okay, they did dump that salary. Period. Um, and now you have this. This is uh, it's pretty impressive. So we got to give the front office a lot of credit. We have had our doubts at times, like do they know what they're doing and this and that, or um, when Palinka says things like, um that kind of contradict where they were at about a year ago. I think it had all of us possibly being a little bit more skeptical. So if anything else, this can give us some faith in what they're capable of doing. And um, the next time we hear them come out with something like, Oh, you know, we're, we're not going to look to do this. We're not going to do that. We can definitely, um, you know, not put as much stock in those types of words and uh, understand that they have their, their tactical, uh, you know, solutions for, for handling these types of situations. So I definitely give them an A plus and um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Tommy, what are your thoughts on the, the front office's lead up to, yeah, to this trade deadline? Because now it just seems like some well-played tactical house of cards maneuvering with, you know, half and half maybe, maybe true as well, but there was definitely some posturing there. And we had, we had even talked about how, 
if Palinka is letting it out there that he's tempering expectations and using Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne, who's been a very reliable mouthpiece for the Lakers over the years, to to say to Lakers fans after they've been promising such big promises throughout the year, hey guys, by the way, we might be punting towards 2019. We talked about how there's no way Palinka doesn't know what kind of response that's going to garner from the Lakers fans. You know, he knows that everybody's going to lose their shit and overreact. So, it, know, knowing that he knows that, he probably put that out there for a reason, used Ramona Shelburne to put that out there for a reason. And sure enough, even before this trade happened, whether or not it's directly linked to this, Paul George came out and said, hey, you know all those statements I said about loving Russell Westbrook? That doesn't necessarily mean I'll re-sign with Oklahoma <laughs> yeah, that's City. So you know, it's so ridiculous. You know? <laughs> it's almost like indirectly Paul George saying to Palenka, wait, wait, hold on. Before you actually make moves and like trade for salary and get and use your cap space as a salary dump to take on more assets, hold on. I still I'm still thinking about going there. So make sure you at least have room for me. You know, it's like right. almost that indirect statement. And so, yeah, Tommy, what are your thoughts on just the lead up to this? And then bam the real plan happens. Yeah. So I think we kind of predicted offline, like not on the show that um, it was mostly smoke most likely. And the reason we were thinking that was, well, first when Rob Palinka got hired, Eric Pincus, among others, um, reported that Palinka in the agent community, and this was not just like a random agent, right? Like this is one of the biggest agents in, in professional sports who made his own agency and was extremely successful. Um, he had a reputation among agents for being a master manipulator of the media. Like he knew how to say the right things at the right times to the right people to use the media to his advantage. Um, like you said, Ramona Shelburne, for whatever reason, I mean, nothing, nothing against her. She's a great reporter and, and all this, but Ramona Shelburne at some point, it's like the front office decided she is our, uh, voice box to the outside world. Like anything we want to get out there, we'll tell Ramona. Um, since the uh, Palenka magic regime started, you kind of saw this shift where like Wojnarowski never really had a lead on Lakers stuff. Very rarely had Lakers related articles. Um, very rarely had, mo uh, you know, references to Lakers. If anything, it was negative, right? Like Woj was the one who leaked that LaMarcus Aldridge, the LaMarcus Aldridge meeting went terribly and, you know, all this stuff. Right. Um, so it seemed like when the new magic and Palenka regime came in, we were now going to have that as an, as an option. So it wasn't really a surprise to me when Woj and Ramona started saying stuff like, Oh, now they're thinking of 2019 because when everybody in the entire league thinks your plan is you're going for LeBron and Paul George, and you need to clear out these two max slots, it hurts your your uh, relative uh, negotiation um, sta like starting point, right? Like your leverage. You lose all leverage when people think you're desperate. Um, so they had to like make it clear, like, hey, you know, we're not desperate. We have enough for one max guy this summer. Like we can easily clear the second uh, space for a second uh, max guy before next summer. We're not trying to you know dump our entire roster right now, and and that can only help you. And another reason I was skeptical is because like. Very uh, soon into the career of these two guys, we kind of saw this smoke that, in you know, in hindsight, we haven't talked about it so much. But and we, again, you don't know how much is smoke, how much is true. But at the time, there were all these reports that came out from Woj about, oh, the Lakers are probably going to take Josh Jackson. Oh, Josh Jackson's at the high, you know, he's the highest on their board right now. Um, 
oh, they're like su- they're super super intrigued by, by Markel Fultz, which is possible, but. At the same time, given how Fultz's like weird shooting thing is like has has happened this season and his weird like arm movements and all this, like it's possible they saw something in the film and they knew that Fultz wasn't their guy either. And it it all it just felt like throughout that whole process, the Lakers were trying to completely dispel the myth and the narrative that they were all in on Lonzo because they were thinking this whole time in the back of their minds, well, shoot, if we are actually going to draft Lonzo, this might kill D'Angelo Russell's trade value because everyone's going to think, oh, now they're desperate to get rid of D'Angelo because they have two point guards um, and they probably can't coexist. So it was like, no, we're not, there's no, you know, we don't know if we're taking Lonzo. I don't know. We have all these red flags about Lonzo, Uh, you know, um, Lonzo didn't impress us in his workout. We're going to take Josh Jackson the next day. Mozgov is traded for, you know, Mozgov and D'Angelo are traded together. So it's like, um, the front office has set a precedent that they're willing to do this kind of stuff. And I don't really have a problem with it, but I think we should all be cognizant moving forward that, you know, stuff gets leaked sometimes, um, by certain people in certain ways for a reason to like show like, Oh, this is actually kind of what they're thinking. And, you know, most of the time, though, it's it's put out there for a purpose. Um, and I think the Lakers have purposefully put out a lot of stuff in the last week to kind of, muck, like, at least in their eyes, um, confuse the rest of the league. So I think it in this case, hopefully it worked. I don't know. Maybe it didn't have an impact. But I think there's no downside to say, to, like, making it unclear about what your intentions are moving forward. Yeah, and Palinka even admitted that maybe they should they've learned throughout the year what to do and what not to do. Obviously the tampering charges and then the double tampering, which was fake news with regards to Magic and Giannis onto Tecumpo. But I think he even admitted, you know, early on maybe we shouldn't have been so brash. He didn't say that verbatim, but that's kind of what we were getting, right? And I think these statements that they made near the trade deadline was kind of, you know, damage control for that. Uh, They realize, okay, we need to backtrack some way, not only the fans' expectations, but just, you know, uh, competing GMs and and teams who are probably like, oh, those guys are desperate. We're not going to give them anything. We won't help them out. And and they did the right thing. And if there was ever any doubt what the plan is, holy crap, two max superstar plan is in full cruise control. You know, I mean, not cruise control, but I mean, like, we are full bore two max superstar plan, Cap Space America. We have completely 100% gone all in, dove in. We thought we were there before, but we are definitely like deep in the thick of things now. And with more options than we ever thought possible, which is the best part. You know, we haven't brought this up in a while, but Rob Palinka and the Rubik's Cube, right? Now we kind of see the Rubik's Cube turning and every move that he's made thus far outside of the Lou Will trade when they first, you know, took over the front office last trade deadline, which was kind of just an obvious move. They have come out of nowhere. They've surprised surprised us. And after our overreactions to even the D'Angelo Russell trade, we take a step back and we realize, okay, they, Rob Palenka is clearly thinking about multiple things at once. And he's analyzed this scenario um, if this, if, if a happens, then we're going to do B, if B happens, then we're going to do C, you know? So we definitely see that in this trade right here. Just, we don't know how the negotiations went down, how the maneuvering went down, 
But yeah, the fact that we were able to get an Isaiah Thomas, we were able to do everything we set out to do, clear cap space, get a first round draft pick for a guy that we thought we could only get a second round pick for. Um, and then also take a flyer on a a former, uh, an all-star player who, yes, he's injured, but he gives us options this summer um, to lure another free agent. Is it just, might it just be optically? Might it just be an optic lure? Sure, but it's a lure nonetheless. You know, you can't say someone wouldn't be enticed by Isaiah Thomas. So I guess we could pivot there. Um, Alan, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas's inclusion to this Lakers team given the fact that he was dealing with a pretty severe hip injury that kept him out of commission for the first, you know, three to four months of the season. He hasn't looked right since he came back. He's only averaging 14 points, four four assists on abysmal shooting, 36% from the field. He seems to have lost what little athleticism he did have. Um, Yeah, what are your thoughts on bringing on a player like that of his stature, who still probably has the entitled mindset that he has and then also taking into account that could he be a locker room cancer and we've already talked about how you know in Cleveland he was already you know causing some strife and and being a little being a prima donna um, feeling entitled and might that cause some problems with the Lakers and their young core Um, how is it going to work with Lonzo Ball we've heard rumors about Isaiah Thomas's agent demanding that he start and that he's not going to come off the bench. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that entire dynamic? Do you think it'll be a huge problem, and do you still think it was worth the risk, regardless? Yeah, I <clears throat> I strongly doubt he's going to be a bad teammate or a cancer to the locker room or anything like that. I mean, if you look at this, it's the epitome of a clean slate for him. The only kind of pressure that he's under is playing into a really good contract. So individually. Sure, there's a lot of pressure for him to perform well, but from a team standpoint, I mean, he goes from Cleveland, who's trying to get back to the finals, to a team that is probably not going to make the playoffs. So, it's a lot less pressure there for sure, Um, and I bet if you were to ask him, you know, besides staying in Boston for the rest of your career, what other organization would you want to play for? The Lakers would most likely be at the top of his list. So, in that sense, I would think just from a you know, psychological um, kind of perspective, he's got to be, as they said, ecstatic uh, about this trade. Um, In terms of just how he fits with this team, like I said, it's all about your expectations, right? So when you get traded from Boston, who is a contender, to Cleveland, who's another contender, it's like, okay, like I said, there's a lot of pressure. You have to perform, and then you add the injury to that. It just makes it extremely difficult here, the expectation is fairly low, so it's like you, he could just play loose, and um, we'll definitely give him a lot more benefit of the doubt as far as his hip injury is concerned, much more than Cleveland fans would, um, and overall, I would just say that like no other teammate has ever complained about him prior to this year being a bad teammate, so if you were to look at him at least that we know of, uh, when he was in Boston, um, any other team before that, you know, we didn't really hear anything. So I don't think that's going to be an issue as far as his agent, you know, saying like, we demand that he starts and that sort of thing. Um, you know, based on what Ramona Shelburne said today, no matter what, he's going to play really big minutes. Um, so productivity wise and how involved he is with this team, I'm sure that that is going to, 
uh, he'll he'll be a substantial player for sure. So I don't see that being a problem. And you know the the word entitlement. Again, I feel like that's only been thrown out there based on what we've seen in the 14 games that he played for the Cavs this year. Um, was he speaking out of turn at times to the media after their awful games? Yeah, you could definitely make that argument that uh, he isn't one who should be talking about the team playing poor defense and that sort of thing, especially because he's brand new to the team. But um, there's no situation where he'd be given an opportunity to speak in such a way on this Laker team that is definitely on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. So um, what I expect from him is to be kind of like a mentor you know, to a lot of our younger players. I think they could learn a lot from him. Luke has already said that he can imagine uh, he and Zoe playing at the same time. Uh, so that'll be extremely interesting to see. Um, so yeah, I I have, I don't really have any reservations about this, this going forward. Yeah, I agree. And I would actually argue that the way that he has presented himself in Cleveland and also the pressure that he has on his contract is what's going to cause him to shape up, you know, and put his best foot forward because he is playing for his next contract and the market out there this summer is going to be pretty dry in terms of teams that can offer him up any money. And he might only be looking at one or two other teams and then the Lakers. And given the fact that he was a, a longtime Lakers fan. He, he was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. You don't want to burn any bridges by acting out with the team that you've always adored. You know, you finally have a chance to play with them. I think he's going to want to put his best foot forward, be a mentor, like Alan said. And if it doesn't work out with the Lakers, he at least should be thinking about, I better show other teams that I'm not going to be a cancer because I am an unrestricted free agent. He has to be thinking about that. And if a team is like, not only is this guy hurt, but he's he acted up in Cleveland, and then he act, look at how he acted with the Lakers and how he did, w- didn't want to become a team player. He didn't want to accept his role. He didn't want to mentor Alonzo Ball. Is that the type of guy that we really want to offer up? I'm not even talking a max contract. Is that the type of guy we want to offer up even $15 million to? So for me, I'm kind of like, you know what, Isaiah, good job for kind of putting that, you know, scarlet letter on yourself in Cleveland where all of a sudden it raises a red flag for everybody to the point where now you've come to the Lakers and you, you kind of forced to shape up. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts on, on that angle? I pretty much agree with uh, what you guys said um, and especially what you just said right now, Jonathan. I, I, I don't view this as a risk at all. And to add an additional perspective, um, if it becomes a problem, this guy is at the end of his contract. We can say, why don't you go ahead, go ahead and get the hell out of here? <laughs> go sit your ass on the couch at home because you're not allowed back in the locker room. You know, it's, we're talking about 30 games. This is not even like a full or less than 30 games, actually 29, 28 games. So this is not by any means like a full season that we're like, okay, how are we going to deal with this guy? It's, it's a couple of months. Our season is going to be over. We're not a playoff team. Um, Let's just kind of see how things go and in the next two months. And if, if he starts to act up, which I don't think he will send him home. Um, the reason I don't think he'll act up, uh, I don't know how closely you guys have been following the Cavs the past few weeks. I take particular pleasure in watching the Cavs suffer. I don't know Same. why. <laughs> I just always have, dude. It's like I was so Cavs... pissed last night when LeBron hit that game winner. Exactly. It's like the Cavs and then the Heat. When the Heat were good, I was like the same thing. When they were str- when they would struggle, um I would just I would enjoy it for some reason. The Heat never struggled the way that the Cavs have been struggling for the last couple of weeks. I mean, there's all these stats since 
Uh, you know, January 1st, they are the worst net rating team in the NBA besides some other, like Atlanta or something. They're, they're second worst in the NBA to Atlanta. They're over the course of the season. They're a bottom five defense. Um, when you watch that team, it literally looks like a bunch of super talented guys who, I mean, it kind of looks like the 2000, let's see, whatever Mike D'Antoni's final season was, um, for the Lakers, it kind of looks like that, except with talented players. So it's like they come down the floor. It's either ISO ball or like run a pick and roll and somebody or one pass and somebody checks up a three. They shoot an insane amount of threes. So they hit a ton of them. And because of that, they're one of the, like the top five offensive efficiency teams in the NBA. Their defense is so bad. And I, we've been a little bit spoiled this year because the Lakers actually compete I, I would say 90% of the games this season, the Lakers have competed defensively, which is really all you can ask for. And when you watch Cleveland play, it's like everybody's given up. I'm I'm not trying to make excuses for Isaiah's attitude or his comments. Um, he probably should have handled the situation a little bit differently. But if I'm him, I'm thinking like, look, I did not ask to get traded here. I, when you traded for me, you knew there was like this, I had these, this hip problem. Like I have to rehab from this now. And I would appreciate that when I, you know, if I came back, first of all, things already weren't going that great before I came back. And then I came back and it didn't really feel like anybody in that organization was trying to protect him from the criticism. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, Isaiah is not who he once was. Okay, yeah, he's missed half the season and is now basically doing his training camp while everybody else is in like, it's January. So like everybody else is like in postseason mode right now, you know? So it's, he probably felt maybe a little bit slighted. He's probably frustrated. Um like I said, he did not want to be traded to Cleveland. He is thinking about his future, and there's a lot of different factors here. I just – I imagine, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I imagine um, when he comes to L.A., a place where he you know, wanted to be, he grew up a Lakers fan. Kobe's always – he's always been tight with Kobe. Like with all these factors, I'm sure he's viewing this as like a chance to, in a low pressure situation on a team that's not going to make the playoffs, let me get myself back into shape. Let me try to like prove myself here. I don't know what next season's going to bring. If I play well here, maybe I'll uh, get a big contract somewhere else. Whether or not I do, it's possible I, I could just stay with this team. So let me approach this more optimistically than I approached the last situation. And I think a change of scenery is going to help all parties here because Cleveland's issues went beyond Isaiah Thomas. And I think that's again, another reason for the frustration. Like nobody on that team was mentally there and it felt like guys were quitting and um, it was just like a, it was like a circus over there. So it's possible just getting out of that and being on a, you know, never thought we would say this about the Lakers two years ago, but like a functional team that has a plan and, they compete and they have a purpose and they have a common goal. Um, maybe that'll help. On top of that, Isaiah Thomas still has a bone to pick with Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics. So we need to do our best job to remind Isaiah yeah. Thomas every day that our lotto pick this year is tied to 
the Boston Celtics and we can take it out of their hands and just put it in Philadelphia's hands because it's, I think, from two to five. If it falls in the two to five range, the Celtics get it. So we just need to ensure that the Sixers get a lower teen lotto pick. And I think that will be added motivation for Isaiah Thomas, who still has a bone to pick, right? And he has a gripe with the Boston Celtics for kind of doing him dirty after an amazing MVP-like season. And so I think that, on top of everything you guys mentioned, will only spur him on, hopefully, to not only shape up, but actually play well. And I tweeted it out earlier. Man, if somehow, miraculously, Isaiah Thomas can round back into form and lead the Lakers to a playoff contention somehow (laughs) he will forever be a laker he will be a forever laker even if it's just for three months you know we will always remember that time isaiah thomas randomly led the lakers in the last three months of the season to a playoff berth eighth seed and you laugh at me now but look at the new orleans pelicans who are in the eighth slot right now they have 25 wins we have 22 21 22 right 22 win. It's not out of the and realm the, of possibility. And we have the easiest th- uh, strength of schedule in the yeah. NBA for February. Exactly. And we haven't gotten Lonzo Ball back yet. Will there be an adjustment period? Sure. Yeah. But you couldn't have asked for, you know, Channing Fry underrated acquisition because he he shoots really well. You get an actual knockdown shooter. He hasn't shot well this year, but his historically he has been one of the most efficient offensive players in the game. Isaiah Thomas, if he can just round back into 50% of what he was, will be a huge help. Defensively, yes, we lose a lot, but Brooke Lopez has rounded into form. I mean, everything is going the right direction for the Lakers and Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, you know, I think in totality, holistically, they meant a lot to this team. But at least for the next three months, four months, if you're just focused on basketball and making a run, I think, Tommy, you've, you've brought it up, but their basketball skill sets are, are things that you can not easily replace, but you can plug those holes in um, more so than you can like a guy like Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram or even Julius Randle, who, hooray, we kept Julius Randle somehow throughout this deal, which we we failed to mention up until this point in the episode. So, I mean, all signs are pointing up for the Lakers, and I, I'm still kind of gushing about this deal. Um, Alan, I'll, I'll switch it over to you because we've been gushing a lot, but let, let's to end this show, kind of turn it to the empathetic, emotional viewpoint of, of losing two guys that we have really grown to love and we invested in these last three or four years or so. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on just like having to say goodbye to Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance? You said you've talked about just that entire aspect the entire day um, and what that means for the guys to lose kind of a piece of their brotherhood, so to say. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I saw Larry Nance play in person was in Summer League when Thomas and Max Center or whatever was chanting, Larry, Larry. So, I mean, it's crazy. That doesn't seem that long ago, but at the same time, you realize, yeah, it's been a few years. And, um, I mean, thinking of all of Larry Nance's, you know, posters from David West to Brooke Lopez, you know, Kevin Durant, all of that stuff. Uh, the fact that the dunk contest is a week from now in Staples Center and he's going to be wearing a Cavs jersey instead of a Laker jersey. Um, the fact that he's Zubots' dad, you know, and he, he like, created those Zupac-like T-shirts where it's Zubots' face <laughs> and a Tupac headband and just all that stuff. Like, he's such a character and um, that's super sad, obviously. And um, it's just like you could tell that Larry's going to – no matter where he is, he's going to develop into one of those locker room, high character type 
leaders um, who has a voice and not only leads by example, but can be vocal as well. I always kind of compared him, at least in my mind, to like kind of like a Rick Fox, Derek Fisher type of guy that everybody respects. So, uh, yeah, like that sucks for sure. And then as far as Jordan Clarkson goes, I mean, he's given us headaches, you know, from time to time. But when you're that type of player who plays with his style, I think that that's inevitable. You look at all the gunslingers and, uh, you know, hopefully he becomes like a professional scorer, so to speak. They all kind of have that personality trait. I feel like they're almost like wide receivers in the NFL. You know, they're kind of diva like, but that's what can make them very good. Um, so in, you know, seeing all the community work that Jordan Clarkson does with like the Filipino community. And, you know, we, we talk about that a lot for sure. Um, in Cleveland, we'll have to look up like their census statistics or whatever and see <laughs> what he has to look forward to out there. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like you said, it was trust the process part one and looking back at when we drafted Jordan Clarkson out of Missouri with the 40, whatever pick and, or when Washington drafted him and then we got him in the trade and then to see how far he's come and this and that, uh, and then we've like talked ourselves recently into, oh, well, maybe we'll just keep him. Who knows? And then being content with that. Um, yeah, man, kind of sucks, but it is what it is. And if you look at the positive side for them as individuals, I mean, shoot, you could argue that they have a chance to make it to the NBA finals. And um, while they're going to a city that is nothing like Los Angeles, at the very least, they can... Um, I shouldn't even say at the very least at the most, like they can gain a ton of valuable professional uh, and career experience. So I want them to play well individually for Cleveland. Like I want them to show out and, and all that kind of stuff, but I still want Cleveland to lose every single game <laughs> for the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson, my, uh, my Kababayan, uh Puso, Laban. I'm just going to say a bunch of random Filipino words. The first one was heart. The other one was fight. Man, you said puso. I thought you were going to say something else, man. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully they got some puso in Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. No, what the? You said oh it's heart, right? God. You said puso means heart. They got some yeah, heart puso in Cleveland. means heart. You're Cleveland's right. got yeah, heart, yeah, you know? True, true. Yeah, they yeah. true that. Yeah, definitely. And you know, there, there are Filipinos everywhere, all over, all over the world, all, all over the nation. I'm not sure there how are? many Filipinos. Yeah, there are everywhere. We're everywhere. No way. <laughs> we are. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure about Cleveland so much. But yeah, you know, Jordan Clarkson was quite a character, very eccentric, eclectic with his fashion sense. I'm gonna miss his his dance celebrations after three pointers the gifts that we've been able to accumulate of him dancing were were, as he says very lit and um yeah it was a good it was he was the only hope for us in a time where it felt hopeless you know especially at the beginning there when we saw Julius Randle go down with a catastrophic injury his rookie season Jordan Clarkson came out of nowhere to become first team NBA be a first team NBA type guard and maybe people over-evaluated him or overrated him after that point, but still, he's able to round back into form and find a niche as this six-man microwave-type scorer. And in recent games, we've seen when Jordan Clarkson is locked in and playing the right way, how valuable a player he can be. So um, for both of these guys, we wish them the best. We thank them for their time during such a rough, rough 
rebuilding stretch for being, you know, the few bright spots that we've had to look forward to, especially being two of the most athletic guys on this team, man. I'm going to miss the dunks, you know? That's very true. Yeah. They were both so dynamic and electric, and it was fun even watching them play with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Randall, you know, for the first half of this season. But I guess we can look forward to LeBron James lobbing lobbing it up real high to the sky. So that should be fun too. But yeah, hopefully they lose. Uh, they'll have a, hopefully they have lots of highlight plays, and at the end of the game, they just lose. Um, so yeah, with that said, you know, there's a lot to still dig into with regards to this trade. I don't want to go on too long. We are missing the Oklahoma City game right now. We're going to get into more of the details once the dust settles and once we see Isaiah Thomas as a Laker as soon as this Saturday against the Mavs. Is that who we're playing? That's what I heard, yeah. And Lonzo, boop, 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 if Lonzo, boop, boop, boop. Uh, Luke did not rule out the possibility that Lonzo could practice tomorrow. And if he practices tomorrow, it'll be Lonzo's first game back too, which should be interesting. Oh man, dude, it's lit. It's lit. Lit. Is it not? Is it not? It is. As Jordan Clarkson would, I would say, you know, to be honest with you, it's kind of lit. Let's hear from Jordan Clarkson and then let's end with Zubots with his, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> His monologue or his dedication to Larry Nance. Um, but before we do that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please also rate interview us on iTunes because you're just feeling so happy that maybe our front office knows exactly what it's doing and they're going to continue to surprise us even with our, all of our doubts and insecurities leading into this summer. So rate interview us on iTunes. And to close us out, first Jordan Clarkson and then Zubats. Let's not make this too long. Yo, what's up, Lake Nation? Um, just want to say it's been a pleasure, you know, getting to know y'all and, you know, play basketball in Los Angeles, man. Y'all saw me grew up. Just keep doing y'all thing. I'm going to do mine. I'm going to find all the people with the big poo show out there in Cleveland, the land. Um, you know, I'm going to tell, Louise. I'm going to tell LeBron James that uh, Los Angeles is dope, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm always a Laker, so, I, just F it, man. I'm going to tell him to become a Laker the second I get there, man. And uh, he going to shoot up in purple and gold. Uh, peace out. Mahokita. And uh, to my uh, my older brother, Larry. Uh, <laughs> by the way, you guys don't have me on the podcast much anymore. It makes me very sad. <laughs> and today is even more sad because Larry is gone. <laughs> I want to go to Cleveland to... Uh, I could sit next to Shady Oshman and be like, he'd be my friend. <laughs> but uh, Larry, hopefully a dunk contest, uh, you will dunk over me. And uh, you could do like Giannis do to Tim Hardaway Jr. I have no problem with that. With uh, Yes. Became possessed by Arnold Schwarzenegger a little bit at the end there. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Hey, wait, Alan, can you do Joel Embiid really quickly for, for Tommy? Oh, yeah, you know, uh, Philadelphia, <laughs> just the process. You know, we're going to win just like the Eagle win. And, uh, you know, we kick all their ass. So that's, that's Lakers suck. Good. LeBron suck. Everybody suck except for us. Fly, Eagle, fly. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man. All right. Well, this podcast has gone off the rails, but... <clears throat> Thank you, Jordan Clarkson. Thank you, Zubots. Thank you, Larry Nance. Number eight and number 24, respectively. What about Joel and B? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right. With that said, we will catch you guys next time. Uh, Alan, peace. Peace. Tommy, later. Later. All right. Peace out, guys. 
It's lit. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.